It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals days until February 16th only. 0.99% financing plus a $10,000 cash discount on remaining in-stock Denali half-tons. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Wow, Joy Division. You're playing the top drawer stuff today. It's not bad, right? I'm oh, in my yeah. bag a little bit. Do you have uh, uh, anything by Genesis like um, <sighs> Lamb Lies Down on Broadway or, well, anything McCurdy wants? Do you have anything mm-hmm. by them? I was thinking Invisible Touch, maybe. No, uh, work that in. Don't tell McCurdy that. He calls the, the Phil Collins-led Genesis a stub because Gabriel isn't there. It's mm. a whole thing. You don't get him started. Mm. Especially when you're having breakfast, it becomes the story. Uh, joined now by our dear friend Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. How are you, sir? I'm all right. You know, uh, Watcher of the Skies is actually my theme song. <laughs> and I've, I've, my comparison of uh, of Genesis is to the 80s Oilers. When Peter Gabriel left, it was like losing Wayne Gretzky. And when Steve Hackett left, it was like losing Yari Curry. And all of a sudden, the winning mojo was gone, you know? Well, I, I do know that you like, is that your fa- <laughs> is that like your favorite band? <laughs> well, it certainly was in my uh, formative years and uh, still I still love them today. And uh, Peter Gabriel remains my musical hero. Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. No doubt about that. All right. Mr. McCurdy, thoughts on mm-hmm. last night's game? I thought it was a heck of a game, Alan. No, it was. Real hard fought, uh, uh, you know, 2-1 game. And it was just came down to to uh, a couple of plays here and there, right? Oilers couldn't solve Aiden Hill, and uh, and uh, Vegas was able to find a way to squeeze a couple pucks past uh, Stu Skinner, uh, who I thought played well. I honestly thought most of the players on both teams played pretty well, considering they hadn't played for a week. First period, a little tentative, and then it just... Uh, you know, didn't go Oilers' way in the end, but uh, it wasn't like they got blown out of the building or anything. In fact, by many measures, they were the uh, somewhat superior team. I feel that, that it's, once again, though, a preview of the playoffs, and mm-hmm. I'll give Vegas Golden Knights absolute credit. They yeah. are a very good team, and they block lanes, and they anticipate well, and they listen to the scouting reports and can intercept passes that are telegraphed, and they also have, like the Philadelphia Flyers at the Spectrum, however many years ago, 45 years ago or 50, they are really good at taking penalties but not getting called on the penalties. And that makes it rough mm-hmm. and tough. And I think that once, and I think the Oilers can beat Vegas, don't get me wrong, but I think that they better pack a lunch because this is going to be a hell of a series and whoever gets out of it is going to feel like they've really won something. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Oilers got three quarters of one power play last night, and uh, they, you know, they rang one off the post. They had three shots on net. They had the puck on a string, so that power play got sh- cut short by a call, and then that was it for the night. No more. And the way Edmonton special teams are going, a, a night where the refs pocket their whistles. Uh, it doesn't really work to their advantage. Like I'd rather see a game where both teams got four power plays than one, because uh, Oilers' PK is on a real roll, and uh, so was the power play. So, 
Anyway, last night turned out to be a five-on-five slugfest for the most part. And they're good at five-on-five, but Vegas is as well. Um, the, the officiating, I, there was there were, there was a couple of calls, one specifically against McDavid that I think you do have to call. Um, yeah. I, I remember the Winnipeg series. It sticks with me. I don't know why. But, it, it, you know, the, the, the NHL does a terrible job of looking after or, or at least mm-hmm. calling it straight up among the superstars. And, and McDavid's reaction is he's just as filthy as they are now. And I get that yeah. and I understand it, but <laughs> hang it all, Bruce. I'd like them to call the rule book. Yeah. Well, Drysaddle took a high stick that was a heck of a lot heavier than the one they did call on, was it Fogel on March or so early in the game? Yes. Uh, but I mean, you can split hairs on all that stuff. I mean, it's uh, an exact science refereeing to, to, uh, say the least. And you just got to roll with it. And, uh, uh, this was one time where it didn't work out. It's hard, it's hard to, you know, I don't want to fall into the trap that I'm reading too much on, uh, uh, on the, uh, or there's Twitter about, you know, how one loss is a disaster. Hell, you know, they've won 24 and lost four <laughs> since, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving. I think that's pretty good, Alan. Yeah, it is, and I think that that <laughs> I, I my blog is the same way. People are 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 you know, well, they you know they they're soft, and I'm like, I don't see that. I think they're I think the owners are are at the top end are positively filthy now. They've been trained by the NHL. Uh, what do you think of? I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it, but I want your opinion of McLeod with Holloway and Corey Perry. Loved it. Uh, I liked it in the first game last night. I was I was really impressed. Uh, uh, so much speed on that line, and then the sort of the counterweight, if you will, of Corey Perry, uh, who uses his smarts to get around uh, the ice. He gets the good spots, and then he gets the puck to good spots. And he's you know he's he's good right in tight to the net, but also along the boards. Uh, one play I noticed that I really liked was one time when there was a bit of chaos in the Oilers' defensive zone. And the puck came out to him, and he didn't even make a play on the puck, but he just positioned his body to protect it so that nothing wrong could happen while the guys behind him were sort of regaining their their positions. Just strong uh, strong puck puck protection, totally appropriate. And then he did get it and clear the zone, but his his first instinct was to get his body in the best place to to uh, uh, make sure nothing bad happened. And it, so far, so good with him in, you know, two games. And uh, the younger guys, uh, I mean, Holloway and uh, McLeod, had the puck on the string a couple of times and at speed. And that speed is what's going to make them hard to stop. So it's uh, it's very promising, and as a third line, I'm uh, very hopeful. Are you at a point now where, like a lot of observers of the Oilers, are suggesting that the the team keep its powder dry? Holloway not going to be traded. I talked to Daniel Nugent Bowman yesterday. He didn't get a feel of that it was possible at all. Broberg, a little different situation. He has requested a yep. trade. First round picks likely to go. Are you of the opinion that that? Uh, if they do trade Broberg in the first round pick, does it? Is there a specific? Is it? Is there a number one target in terms of position you'd like to see them address, or is it just best player? Well, best player. I saw one trade option this morning that had them trading Broberg, Borgo, the first, the second, and the fifth. I think it was. That's probably all I got left this year 
for Gensel, who's an expiring contract. And I'm thinking, no, I like Gensel. Boy, oh boy, that's a three equivalent first rounders for a guy in an expiring contract is uh, is, uh, uh, hard to swallow. Uh, But there's there's room for a top six sniper and there is room uh, under the right circumstances for a uh, um, uh, top four defender. Um, Take the better available and and I mean the whole idea now is to uh, is to pound those phone lines and uh, fax machines <laughs> and find out who's <laughs> who's available out there uh, that, you know that that might fit the uh, the order's need. I mean last year obviously the uh, the big find was uh, Matthias Eckholm, uh, who you know they gave a heavy price for him, but they got a player with term who's still solving problems for this team. Yeah, and ideally you uh, get something like that. On the other hand, they also checked a lot of boxes when they picked up uh, Nick Butestad last year, and he helps uh, until they decided he was the top six who c- should go up against Jack Eichel. That didn't end so well, but. Uh, 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 his problem was that he was on an expiring cheap contract, and they wound up paying the price of a you know a good future player for him. So that's you know that's the gambles that uh, that you have to take. Okay, Bruce McCurdy, our guest from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. I sometimes do with you this with you because after reading all of the the comments about the goals against, I I my mind gets numb. So I want to go through them if mm-hmm. I may with you. Uh, the first goal against. Nobody had boxed out the goal scorer. Uh, Skinner stopped the puck. A split second is what I think he would have needed to 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 freeze the puck or secure it. Didn't get it. Mm-hmm. There was no mm-hmm. box out. Is that the goalie's mm-hmm. fault or the box out not happening? Uh, well, I'm going to give some credit to the goal scorer here. You know, a guy on the other team, um, Nicholas Roy. And what he did was very crafty. As the puck came out to the point for the point shot, he, uh, if it was football, we'd call it pushing off. He just sort of gave uh, uh, Matthias Eckholm, who was trying to front the shot, uh, just a little jab, uh, cross-check in the ribs, you know, nothing a refs would call. And that did two things. It pushed Eckholm right into the shooting lane, and it blocked Skinner's view of the shot. That I, I think if he'd seen it clean, there would have been no rebound. And secondly, it created just enough separation between Eckholm and Roy that Roy was the one who was able to pounce on that rebound and stuff at home before Eckholm could get it. I just thought that was a smart, crafty, veteran move uh, by Roy, and credit were due. Could the Oilers have played it differently? Sure, there was a couple things they could have cleaned up on that play, but these were relatively tiny mistakes, and... uh, Sometimes that's all it takes against crafty veterans. So now I know for sure that Nicholas Waugh would have been a Sam Pollock Montreal Canadian back in the day because that's the kind of <laughs> thing they did all the time to my Bruins. And then the second one, I thought CC kind of slid through the shooting. Maybe I'm wrong, yeah. but uh, he offered a screen instead of a block option, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh, n- nurse it looked like Nurse had played it perfectly and, uh, and it boxed the guy out, but the puck kind of went to the wall and... and uh, the guy, um, the, the first player in, was able to chip it along the wall, and CC got beat behind the net. And then as the puck came out, uh, Fogel collapsed, I thought, too low and kind of left the danger man who wound up being the goal scorer. And as CC popped out in front, I just, I'm not sure if he just 
not had a full sense of where the shooting lane because as I say it was almost like he glided right through it and uh, and Skinner followed him and left this little crack on the short side and bam great shot right in under the crossbar and you know I thought there was like again it was a play with small um, almost minuscule mistakes by several players but when you have multiple mistakes you have trouble yeah for sure um I like what you said at the beginning where it was a well-played game and you know there's no need to panic. Now you have you have Anaheim, do you have in your heart, I know you have a big heart, I know this about you. Do you have anything in your heart in terms of feeling a little bad for the Anaheim Ducks because I think they're going to get an angry Oilers team? Uh no, I don't feel bad for the Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> I haven't for a long time. So Either they're too, you don't need to feel bad for them because they're winning the darn game or they're getting what they've deserved for years. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the LA Kings? Surely you have well, a moment for Todd McClellan. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I would if he was still there, but he's not. So, uh, anyways, yeah, the, the, my concern at this point is the Oilers need to do something they haven't done yet this season, and that is stop a losing streak at one game. Right, they lost two in a row to start the season. They had two four-game losing streaks that that bookended the one game at the Heritage Classic that they won, uh, and then they had two more three-game losing streaks since Knobloch took over. And of course, they've had some good winning streaks, some very good winning streaks. But I would like to see them, um, you know, just grab control and win this very next game because one thing about the playoffs is not much room in there for losing streaks right you can lose games you just don't want to lose them in bunches and so this that's one area where this team has to has to show that you know when they have a letdown it doesn't last for a week it's one night oh we lost let's go out and get the next one and and attend to business yeah that's for sure all right bruce uh are you, are you gonna watch the super bowl Oh yeah, yeah. Do you have a? Tr- yeah, I've watched every Super Bowl since Super Bowl one. Alan Max McGee MVP for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, now, is this becoming a trend for you? Can we assume you're going to be watching all the Super Bowls now that you've watched a few? <laughs> now what are we up to now, Alex? I I or something? Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I'll probably uh, for a few years there I wasn't watching NFL at all, but I still watch just the Super Bowl to keep my sort of lifetime string intact. But uh, I'm back to sort of watching a little bit here and there in, in the playoffs. And now. But, uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, uh, for the foreseeable, probably watching the big game when it comes. So are you are you uh, on the Chiefs bandwagon or are you going NFC? Oh, yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, I just want a good game. I, just, I don't have a real serious rooting interest. My Steelers are long out and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, um, all teams have things to like and dislike, and uh, it's just I just want it to be a you know a good game that's interesting into the fourth quarter. Well, I just you know I hope Ronnie Lott doesn't hurt anybody. That's all I know. Is uh, you know <laughs> that man hits so hard, Bruce. It's thank the you, Scott sir. Scott Stevens of the NFL. <laughs> he, was, he was. Thanks, Bruce. Be good. Yeah, thank you, Alan. Have a great week. All right. There's my friend Bruce McCurdy. He is such a gentleman. I know you know that, but I know him personally. I'm glad to know him personally, and he's a great guy. He truly is. And a really good, um, I was going to say analyzer. 
Is that a word? He's good at analysis. I think analyst would oh, be the you, thank word you, you might Much be. better. Much better. And I thought his takedown of last night's game was was spot on. And I love what the reason I like going through the specific games with Bruce or the goals is because he gives you I always look for clarity and I always look for somebody who can give me the unbiased view. Now, Bruce has his moments with goaltending and referees, but when it's talking about a specific goal, I know he watches it over and over again, and he has a a clear eye. He is a wise fellow. So if you're wondering about a specific goal, um, just tweet McCurdy. He's got lots of time. (laughs) Okay, uh, on the way, we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of this week. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, and don't forget... Yes, that's right. We're talking NBA at 140. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown from Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. WolfGMCBuick.com. Check them out. I remember the first time I ever heard Kate Bush. It was Weathering Heights, and it was on a show called 90 Minutes with a Bullet. And that was on CBC. Another reason why CBC is very valuable. And... They just had, it was Jim Jim Mulliken, Jim Mulliken. I can't remember the name. I'm sorry. I apologize for not remembering the name. It was really good. It was a really good show. I think I heard Dire Straits on that same show the first time. They'd run a lot of, they, they had a punk show. It was really good. You know, and you could not get that. Like there wasn't any, I think, I think K97 was like, um, CFQC FM or something like that at the time. And it was the, and it was only Bruce Kenyon from like six to nine. That was the only like rock album rock you could get. And that was like Edmonton was a big city then still, but you just, there wasn't a lot of it. Like a lot of stuff that wasn't top 40, you couldn't get. Now, of course you can. By the way, it's really cool to work in the same building with Terry Evans again. One day I'll tell you about the time he and I, went to Vegas, roomed together, and never saw each other. (laughs) And I bet you're shocked about what side of the day I was awake. Well, there you go. Stay in your lane, low tide. It's good. I get it. Clear eye for the stats guy. That's nice. Bruce was going to get the gears for not watching NFL, but then he says he's a Steeler fan, so he's forgiven. Yeah, I, I, McCurdy's not a liar. He like if he's a says he's a Steeler fan. Uh, we have Terry David Mulligan was the guy. Since you're doing eighty stuff, maybe some in excess or tears for fears. That's from Mitt. You know, my favorite in excess song is "Listen Like Thieves," and I constantly try and search it up in our system, and it it is constantly not there. Breaks my heart every time. My favorite in excess, and it's so, you're going to go, oh, roll your eyes, but I love Never Tear Us Apart. I just love that damn song. You know how a song just kind of hits you? And that one does. Really well done. I'm glad I wrote it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. All right. I'm done. If Callie McGrimmon was GM of the Oilers, what would he do by the trade deadline? Well, he'd... I don't know who, well, I'll tell you what he would do. I know everybody's going to get mad, but they'd find a way to offload one of the $5 million wingers. Uh, they would because the, the Golden Knights don't care. They just don't. 
they have they they're like the the Vegas Golden Knights are like if Reservoir Dogs the movie was a person who was also general manager of an NHL team. They'd put a guy in a trunk. They wouldn't let a guy to go to the hospital, even though he was gut shot. All of that. Have you seen Reservoir Dogs? Oh, of course. Yeah. Love that one. What's your favorite part of Reservoir Dogs? Oh, I mean, it has to be the opening scene. I don't know. Oh, tip. yeah, I know. It's so good. Yeah. What do you mean you don't tip? I don't. T- yeah, it has to be that one. When they were talking about like a virgin by Madonna and I'm like, what the hell am I watching? You know, I read a fun piece of trivia about that. Chris Penn, who is obviously in the movie, mm-hmm. his brother Sean was married to Madonna. Right. And he excused himself from that conversation in the movie out of respect for his former sister-in-law. You know what? Good for him for yeah, doing it. Definitely. Because it was like, guys are idiots, you know? Okay. We have got to have some kind of meeting about No, that's it. I'm done. Like, Sorry. You, I, I work with all of the horn members of Earth, Wind, and Fire over here. What part of you doesn't make a noise? I had a little water that went down the wrong pipe a couple of seconds ago. You've and I'm still sneezed fighting six it off. times. There's yeah. been a couple of things I don't want to know where they came out of, and then that. But it's kind of allergy season, you know. It's Is, are you, if you bring up snow mold again, I'm coming over there. I don't think I've brought up snow mold yet. Well, I do. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you hear him? I know we're sounding like an old married couple, but I'm trying to work over here. Here's the thing. I fear that you may be the only one to hear it, and then you address it. No, I'm it, not. Okay. Believe me. Okay. First okay. of all, this is you. I start talking. Hi, everybody. Rat-a-tat-tat. Rat-a-tat-tat. Ha-ha. That's you. It's like an act. It's like it's like an act. We're like a comedy act. We're We're Laurel and Hardy, and you're the sound effects. My God. I don't even... I I wish I was known for something else other than my sound effects <laughs> on this show. That's all, oh, you I, that's are. all, that's all you, I can say. You've got NBA coming up. Are you... Are you Because I, I'm excited about Mamma Mia. Yes. And I love declinations. And, and I was thinking Duncan with Declan maybe isn't strong enough. But I'm hoping it is because I like the feature. Yes. I like the fact that... You know, the, I'll be honest with you. The only reason I do these three things... And, and you it want all, a break. No. Well, I like that. And it's 140. But... <laughs> There's a thing you do, Declan, and it's it's very appealing to me personally. And that's when you get excited about something. Oh, okay. And and you 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 sort of get animated, and you don't slur or anything. Your words are all understandable, but you get animated. Yes. And it is fun for old guys like me to hear somebody young get excited about or animated about something. So that's the only reason I do this um, because I can pontificate about anything. There was a thing the other day on Twitter. Uh, name five things you can talk about, like expertly for thirty minutes. Okay, let's hear your five. Well, I could, I can t- name it. I can talk about religion. I oh, can, wow! It, because here's the thing: I don't know a thing about anything, but I can talk about everything. <laughs> you know just enough about everything. Cheese whiz. How do they everything. make cheese whiz? Well, what they do is they put the apple grummets in. It doesn't matter. I could make it all up. I can mm. do it about anything. I think it's also worth pointing out that these segments wouldn't exist if it was not for the intro music, especially. Mama totally MMA. So totally. I we mean, need, we need to give some credit to ABBA. They don't get their shine, you know. Not what, enough people give ABBA the credit they deserve. What I want to hear, and I want you to start working on this. I want all of the sound effects you make. I want them onto one loop. Wow. Where we can go, there'll be the typing. Mm. Brr, 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 
You know, remember, remember that Friends episode where Ross had that crazy keyboard with the, the yes. honking sounds yeah, and yeah, the yeah. horses and yeah. the barking of dogs? I want a Declan version of that song. You know, my first thought was going to be, man, this is going to be pretty hard to clip everything and put together. But then my second thought was, well, it kind of all happens within a 30-minute period in one show, so it might not be that hard after all. We need some typing, some sneezing, and some coughing. Is that what I hear? Well, and the other parts. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't want to know. I just want them all in there. All right. And then... uh Put it to music like Ross did. Okay. I can I can throw some together, but grudgingly, but I can do it. When, the first time I saw that, when he started with the dogs barking and stuff, I collapsed in laughter. That was a very, 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 very good. Not the best episode of Friends, but very close. It sounds like someone washing dishes. There you go. I haven't lived in Morinville for three or four years, but I used to sit at the same table with Terry Evans' mom at the old zoo, which got torn down a couple of years ago. There you go. We're all connected. Oh, we're asking. There's some. Are you pick, picking up the questions about the deadline that people are setting for NBA? You should. You should yes, definitely yes, yes, address yes. that. The one okay. about uh, Demar Derozan and Dejounte Murray. We'll get to it, Low Tide. We got nine minutes of you before the star comes to. Oh, I don't think so. We, we're supposed to break at one thirty-five. There's four minutes of you, then twenty minutes. There's four minutes of me, then twenty minutes of you. Yeah, by the time we get back from break, we got to play the outro. I'll get I get a solid ten in there. I'm happy with it. Low Tide. If Brown finally ends up to his expectation, lives up to his expectations, do the Oilers still need help in the top six? And who do you think scores first, Brown or Perry? I hope it's Brown. You know, I. I like, you, you know, you, you start out, you're hopeful for a player, then you're frustrated with a player, and then you just want the player to do well. And an example of that is Jessapolia Yarvi, who, by the way, played for the Pittsburgh Penguins, had a good game, a couple of shots, didn't score, but he was 1-0 in 5-on-5 goal differential. Uh, and I was just amazed that, number one, and how much support he had, which is terrific, because he's had so many hip issues, and it was so difficult for him here, although he is clearly, obviously, a very good human being. And then the the amount of delight that people had in once again crushing his soul. And I do not understand why people think that's such a cool thing to do online. But I really do regret knowing that there are people out there who apparently exist only to crush people's dreams, to make them feel as though everybody doesn't like them or that any hope or any dream or any pursuit that you have that has hope, goodness, and a goal in it are bad. And I would encourage you, and I'm serious about this, that if you are a person who has hope in your life, if you are a person who likes to support good things, if you are a person that sees sunshine when everybody else sees rain, you stay the course. You be the person you are. Don't let people intimidate you in any way because you, whether you be a male or a female, you are special in our society, and there are not many left. Do not let the negativity drag you down, because your dreams and your hopes and your goals are vital to you and to our community. I don't know when dreams and hopes and goodness became a bad thing, but I don't like it. So you keep doing good things with your life. And you keep being hopeful, like my friend Declan, who keeps playing dance music, hoping that I'll dance. And that man 
is hopeful. All right, on the way, Duncan with Declan. And we got a great NBA song to introduce it. And that is the reason we're doing the feature. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. And you know that music. It means Duncan with Declan. I just wish we could run all 11 minutes. But we can't because we've got a lot to get to. Uh, I would like it. I know this is me imposing on you and your feature, but I would like to start with a question, if I may, uh, to you, Declan. Of course. So my 76ers have had a good year. Yes. As you know, Joel Embiid has had a procedure. Oh, what he has. And he has out for the regular season, might come back in the playoffs. So is there a target out there worth pursuing? Do the 76ers have enough torque to get it done? And is it worth it? Or should they keep their powder dry and slide in as a later seed and hope Embiid can come back and help them? Well, this is the big thing, right? There's no replacement for Joel Embiid. There's no Joel Embiid in the NBA today. Even if you think Nikola Jokic is a better better center, Joel Embiid, I think, is a more physically off- offensive, uh, imposing force at the rim, better footwork, things like that. There's no Joel Embiid, right? Yes. So you can't bring in anyone to emulate his game. The What I would do if I was the Philadelphia 76ers is I would ride Tyrese Maxey. I would ride Tyrese Maxey and see, can you be the guy? Because, and I'll tell you why. Can you be the guy when the going gets tough? Can you show up in the big moments? And the reason I say that is because Joel Embiid, for as good as he is, has shown that in the playoffs... He can take a back step a little bit. His production goes down. He doesn't get to the free throw line as much. The game is officiated differently. That is hard to, that is hard to do. That is hard to, you know, completely change your game from one thing to be more conducive to playoff basketball. And when we've seen that Joel Embiid hasn't necessarily been that big figure they need to be in the, in the playoffs, they need someone who can step up. This is Tyrese Maxey's chance. This is a guy who's going to touch the ball on every possession down the court. He's going to get the shots he wants. They're going to see, can this guy be a closer for us? Can this guy be a guy who can go out there and get us 28 and 28 a night and show up big time for us in the playoffs? So I ride Tyrese Maxey because like I said, you're not replacing Joel Embiid. The, I think bringing some Someone in, I like the problem is you can't run an offense through you can't run the offense the Philadelphia 76ers and Nick Nurse run through any other center besides Joel Embiid, right? right? Yep. So bringing someone in, I don't I think it would mess up how that offense needs to run. I think Tyrese Maxey is the guy who needs to get the ball. You obviously, you know, you, you you count your losses, you pray he gets back quickly, you hope you're in a decent position for the playoffs. But Do I don't you, I don't know if you bring anybody in. And and would your answer have changed uh if Doc Rivers was still available? Would you suggest he be the coach or are you okay with Nick Nurse? No, I like Nick Nurse. I think Nick All Nurse right. is a good coach. I mean the one guy like I know Andre Drummond is a name who's been thrown around in trade talks. He's obviously not you know, at at best he's gonna get you what, twelve, fourteen, sixteen points a night at best. But his per thirty six numbers rebounding are incredible. He can be a guy who can rebound the ball on the defensive side of the court, the offensive side of the court, get into your big play guys, the Maxis, the Tobias Harris's if you want to put him in that camp. But I, I don't bring in another center center to run the offense through. Yeah, I, I I'm at a loss as to who I would uh, who I would replace him with. I, I you know all of the names I have are forty you know years ago players. He's such a, a you know I mean Rodman's not coming in. So Rodman I, is not coming in, and I even if. I think they're toast. Even if Rodman did come in, Rodman, you know, he didn't really score the ball that much. No, he, was, he was ferocious right. and he rebounded. Oh, it no. was crazy. You know, there was a two-game span where, in I forget what year it was, but it was when he was with the Spurs. There was a two-game span. He had zero points and forty-nine rebounds. Crazy, and, and you know, and he was six-six at best. Watching him, like he would, 
you could watch the video of him, and he would actually be like sprinting, jumping, moving towards where the ball was yes. going to go. Uncanny how he did it. He wasn't the biggest guy, obviously, no. but he was crazy, and he no. wanted that ball. You know who else was like that rebounding? Charles Barkley. Charles yes, Barkley, Barkley was, was great that He way. was an incredible rebounder. I believe he led the league in rebounding one year, and he did it at about 6'4", which is very imp- I know he was listed at 6'6". Six, six. Charles Barkley was not 6'6". Six, six. He six, was five, the, the best. only Coke machine I've ever seen could go sideways. He was, like, he was really something else. I loved yeah. Barkley, one of my favorite all-time players. All right, go. Well, I was just going to say, apparently he used to eat uh, two filet of fishes before each game as well. Don't know if that's true or been verified, but that's what I read. Okay, a couple questions I want to get to. Where do DeJounte Murray and DeMar DeRozan end up? Yeah, DeJounte Murray is a guy who I think has a lot of talent. He's with the Atlanta Hawks right now, but the Atlanta Hawks are an incredibly underperforming team on the back of Trey Young as their star guy. Like, they're six games below 500 right now, and Trey Young is averaging 27 and 10. There are, t- like, if you look back to the early 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, etc., 27 and 10 would have had you in league MVP conversations. Trey Young wasn't even initially selected to go to the All-Star game this year because, of course, the game has changed. And now they the All-Star game also places a lot more value on the, how is your team doing? Mm-hmm. Can you be the main guy on a winning team? The Hawks just aren't winning. You obviously, I think Trey Young is untouchable for that team. I do think he is their guy they need to build around. But DeJounte Murray is a guy who I think can have a lot of value going somewhere. And the one place I look is the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are intent around building are, are intent on building around Bridges. Bridges is a guy who is, I was never sold on as being a franchise cornerstone, but he's come he's come alive this year. He needs to be a bit better of a facilitator, can rebound a little better for his size, but I think he's averaging over 26 points a game this year. If they can have a guy like DeJounte Murray, who we know can shoot the ball, who can be a facilitator, get him in an offense where he isn't he isn't um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? He isn't restricted by another backcourt guy dominating the ball. I think him and McCall could be a phenomenal one-two punch. So I like I like the Brooklyn Nets for DeJounte Murray. As far as DeMar DeRozan, I hate to throw this out because it seems to be thrown out every trade deadline. And just by the way, the trade, trade deadline tomorrow at 1 p.m. our time. So we're doing this at the perfect uh, perfect time. And we're going to have Paul Sir on tomorrow at the perfect oh, time I love to break it. this uh, down. You know what I'm going to ask him about? About if if Bridges, mm-hmm. if they brought brought back John Wall, could Wall and Bridges play together? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, Go I ahead. Like that. I like that. Um, no, I was just gonna say, Demar Derozan. The reason, listen, I hate to bring this up because every trade deadline they get brought up, but I think the Los Angeles Lakers would be a good fit because Demar Derozan is at a stage in his career. He's still very good. He's still serviceable. He still scores the ball, but he's not a guy who can really dominate and get to the rim. He's not a guy who can play. Well, and you know the Lakers will be in on everything. Of course. And he's no. not a guy who can play, you know, a hundred minutes a night. He's a guy who needs someone to get him good looks, needs someone to get him the ball. And he's a guy who needs to have the pressure taken off him. We already know LeBron is the guy who can run that offense, who can get you the ball. We know that Anthony Davis is going to take big loads offensively. So I think if you're DeMar and you can d- go in there and, you know, potentially sacrifice your numbers a little bit, but still be an elite scorer or a near elite scorer when you need to be, I think that would fit well with the Lakers. I think, listen, you never, the Lakers get thrown around every single trade deadline and it gets tiresome. I understand that, but I do think DeMar DeRozan would be a good fit in that Lakers offense. So, so, Help me with this, and I know I'm chiming in too much, but I'm really curious about the NBA. So, Low Tide, you could never chime in too much. It's your show. Well, I'm the no, one who's I, chiming I, in I too much. I'm you know, feature the, the... So what does Oklahoma City have to do to be real? Like, uh, not just good in the regular season, but to be like a championship right. option. I think just patience. Okay. Because I think the talent is there. I think but you they the- were patient last time and everybody left. 
Well, they ran they ran into something unprecedented. They ran into a Spurs dynasty that was that was on its back legs but still very much intact. They ran into what became an Oklahoma City dynasty or excuse me, what became a Golden State Warriors dynasty when they were when Durant and Westbrook were very much in their prime. So things like that happen. And then of course that one finals they made, they ran into LeBron in his prime. It happens. Now I'm not saying there's not going to be something similar like that in the league right now, but when I say patience, I talk about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, as talented as he is, as great a basketball player as he is, first-team All-NBA has done some great things leading this team to a winning record this year. You still need a level of maturity and playoff experience to succeed in the playoffs. It's very, very, very rare you see a young guy take a young team to the playoffs and they have immediate success. Like, look at the Memphis Grizzlies last year. Incredibly young team. They were the number two seed in the Western Conference, and John Morant is an incredible talent, one of the best in the league. They flamed out in the first round to Los Angeles. Angeles Lakers because they didn't have that experience. It takes time. Playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball. It takes experience. It takes a certain leader in the locker room who knows what's going on, who knows what it's like to play in those big moments to teach those guys and to be a leader for those guys. So they're in a great position with Shea, with Chet. They have things working for them, but I just think they need to be patient and take a little bit of time before they can get to the next step. But as far as basketball moves, they're certainly on the right path. Okay. Go back to your, I know you had a few people asking questions. Yeah, I got another one. Warriors need to retool, and the MVP is now between Joker and Shea. I think Luka Doncic is a guy who deserves to be in the uh, MVP conversation as well every year. I mean, this is a guy who puts up incredible numbers. You obviously can't overlook what uh, what Nikola Jokic is doing and what Shea's done for the OKC Thunder has been incredible. Those would be my three picks as is. The Warriors need to retool. Listen, it, it happens, right? I mean, all good things come to an end. Clay Thompson is not what he once was. He's not going to be the, you know, 21.3-and-D uh, guy. He's getting streakier. He's looking like he's lost a step on defense. Draymond, Draymond is always going to be a guy who's going to give you energy some good rebounds some good defense but again he's older his bright moments are going to be few and far between the question for the Warriors is how much like of course you want another championship as a franchise right of course you want to get a guy like Steph Curry another ring but the question is do they want to ride off into the sunset with these three and give them the credit and respect they deserve for the things they did for their franchise for championships relevancy and incredibly increased value in their team or do they want to milk the last ounce of greatness out of Steph Curry? If they want to milk that last ounce of greatness out of Steph Curry, yes, they need to retool. They need to look to make some moves. My question then becomes, what is Draymond and Clay's trade value on the market? Because at one point in time, these guys would have had tremendous trade value. Now you wonder what they may look like when they're not riding on the back of Steph. And I'm not saying they rode on the back of Steph when they were winning all those championships. But right now at this point in, this, in their careers, it's certainly looking like they are. So those are some of the things. I wonder about. I wonder what, what the what the mindset of uh, the the Warriors ownership group is like. I wonder, you know, what Steve what Steve Kerr's leash looks like. Things like that. A bunch of contributing factors. If they if they do end up retooling and making another run, I just don't know what packages they could put together with those two guys that you would have to think are trade pieces and cornerstones. How real are the Knicks? The Knicks are very good. I really, really, really like the Knicks. But here's the thing about the Knicks. There has been, what, since 1980, we'll say, because the 70s was was a different era. The 70s was, was well, there back was the and ABA forth. And, yeah. yeah, it was weird. Yeah. So I'll say since the 80s, there has been, what, one team that won an NBA championship without a superstar, without a Hall of Fame-worthy level super, superstar. Right. And Chauncey Billups, actually, and Ben Wallace made the Hall of Fame. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, we're talking about transcendent, transcendently talented players. 
The Knicks don't have that. As good as Jalen Brunson is, and I think he is incredible, and I'm very, very happy he was an all-star this year. It is more than deserved. He should have been there last year. We've seen Julius Randle make All-NBA. We know he's an incredible talent. But they don't have that superstar. They don't have that guy who can take them to the next level. It's tough to it's tough because that's just sometimes what happens. Yeah. Like you look at those 2004 Pistons. That was the anomaly among anomalies. That was a team where everything came together. They caught a Lakers team that was at the end of their tenure. They played incredible team defense. They were an incredibly cohesive unit. They were big, they were mean, they were dirty. They knew what to do with each other. They played how they played. You just don't see that. You need a superstar and very often you need two. Because you look at some of the teams that have won without two legit superstars in the NBA. You think about the 2011 Mavericks who really only had Dirk because Jason Kidd was at the end of his career and then you could maybe throw the 2019 Raptors in that conversation although if you want to call Kyle Lowry a superstar at that time I understand that I respect it because he was making all-star all-star teams he was doing some great things but those are kind of the really the only two and the Knicks let alone two legit legit superstars in the NBA I don't even think they have one and that's not to discredit Jalen that's not to discredit Julius because those guys are incredible but that's just how it is. Sometimes. The uh, the Knicks, when I was a kid, they won a championship, 73, I will say. And you, you, you mentioned about them not having. They had that team. I, we should ask uh, we should ask Paul Sir tomorrow about the 73 Knicks. He would have great stories about, about them. But they were like, honest to God, it was like that team was f- like beyond famous. And I think most of them came from elsewhere. But I remember them because they were mentioned so often. Like I would buy the sporting news, and and back then the TV I had didn't really have live NBA, but you could watch it on tape. And sometimes it would be like there'd be a feature on players. It was a very very famous team at the time. I'd like to see the Knicks win again. I I, I just would because it it they should be better than they are, and a lot of it has to do with ownership, but. It would be great for the sport. It would, right? When you the know? Knicks are good, the NBA is good. And I'm not a Knicks fan or anything. I've obviously, you know, I'm a little bit younger. But when, when the Knicks are good, the NBA is good. And when the Knicks are having success, the league is more fun. Now, uh, are you done? I could. I certainly could be, yeah. Okay, well, no, you have. I, I just have something I want to read at the end. So if you have more, go. No, 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 Lewis. Okay. I, this is your show. I do not. I do not uh... Well, I don't want to jump in, but I want to really get this along. Of uh, course. And and I, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but NHL Public Relations has sent this out. This isn't the bit, but there's another bit to come. As part of the ongoing effort to provide the most accurate statistical accounting possible of NHL games, the league has performed a comprehensive audit on the hits statistic in every game this season and made appropriate adjustments. The newly updated season totals are reflected on NHL.com and in league statistical releases as of today. All right. Interesting. Probably a lot of people will go online and check out the new hits statistic. This is the interesting part. Frank Carrado. Former professional healthy scratch, played a few games too. TSN hockey analyst. Very funny guy. Frank Corrado says, in response to this, please audit my career plus minus. Thank you. Now that is a great cell phone. That's great deprecating, self-deprecating humor. Well done, sir. Loved it. People are talking about Sean Walker coming to Edmonton for a first-round pick. Hmm. 
I know there are people who are analytics people who believe Walker is an upgrade on CC. I, I, I just don't know if that's the case. I just don't know if that's the case. Walker is a is a an interesting player, and I think you would have to move CC out, so you'd have to be right. We'll see. What do the Raptors need to do? Can you answer that in two minutes or less? Yeah, I mean, all this and very similar to uh, OKC, they they need to be patient, but they need pieces. I don't know if there are any moves they can make that are going to instantly make them a contender. They need to wait for Scotty to blossom. They need to see what Grady Dick becomes. They need to see what these picks become. It's and, things like that. And we know that fans are very patient and no problem being patient. All right, really enjoyed today. I'm really digging this NBA feature, and I promise not to interrupt as much next time, but I was just curious about the 76ers, and then we got into the Knicks talk. And Paul Sir will be joining us tomorrow, as well as our dear friend, Bag Milk. We'll talk about Frank and how he's doing. Jason Greger, I can't wait for his take on last night's game and where he thinks the Oilers are, and that's all on the way. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Lowdown. We're back tomorrow. Please enjoy your day, and it's time for an update.